Welcome back, everybody, to the Nothing But Sports podcast. I'm Rahel Jaswell. This is episode 23 now, as we got a decent amount to talk about here on this Friday evening. Uh, we're going to talk about the Yankees re-signing DJ LeMahieu. Earlier today, on Wednesday, the Nets traded for James Harden in a four-team blockbuster deal. And, of course, the preview of this weekend's NFL playoffs divisional round action. So, let's get it started. So, a sigh of relief for Yankees fans all across all across the, the the state, the country, whatever, all across the world if you follow the Yankees and you're a Yankees fan. Some sure, sh- very sure, um, uh, you know, happiness and... Uh, and a breath of fresh air for me because, of course, as you know, I'm a Yankees fan. So, DJ LeMay, he locked up six years, $90 million deal. Now stay in the Bronx till he is 38 years old. He's currently 32. DJ has led the league, has led the team in hits. He had a 364 batting average last year and two years ago around a 321 batting average. So, thank God they re-signed him because... Yeah, it w- it wasn't looking good, especially considering how long it had dragged on for. I hope they haven't left it too long because they still got to fill a lot of off-season hole needs as Tanaka more and more is looking like he might go back to Japan for pitching. But yeah, six years, 90 mil. This is a very good deal, and this was probably why it took him so long. I don't know how Cashman, Brian Cashman, was able to get this done so um pretty well, actually. Um. Not only do you give DJ a long-term deal, remember, they were stuck on the amount of years. I think the Yankees wanted to give him four years because they didn't want to give him too much money, but DJ wanted more than that. So not only do you fulfill that requirement, give him six years, but you stay under $100 million because when I saw the tweet come out that DJ's deal was going to be over five years, I was thinking, oh boy, here we go. They might give him six years, $180, $200 million, something crazy like that. You know, like the deals in the past, like how they gave Stanton, how the Marlins gave Stanton that mega deal, that, you know, over $300 million deal. I was thinking along the lines that they were going to give him maybe probably, I was I was thinking at first I, when I heard that tweet that they were going to give him seven years, $230 million. That was the original, or 228 something like that. That was the original deal I heard just because of how absurd MLB contracts are. But when I heard six years, $90 million, I was like, wow, that's pretty cheap. That's only 15 mil per year. Keep in mind that DJ was making 12 uh, million per year the last two years. It was two years, 24 million. So a little bit of an upgrade in money. But yeah, good job by the Yankees keeping this under 100 million and keeping this manageable when it comes because you know you're gonna have a you're gonna have a lot of other big deals coming up with uh, Aaron Judge, who they I know they gave Judge a one year deal now to avoid his arbitration, but you're gonna have to pay him eventually a bunch of money. You're gonna eventually have to pay Glaber Torres. Who knows what the deal, you know, you're going to have, also, you got to sign another, you got to sign another bullpen arm. You might have to re-sign Tanaka for a decent four-year deal. So it's going to be, it's going to be very interesting, but I was very happy that they were to get this deal done. Now we can, that's the number, that was the number one priority this offseason. They've already established that J-Hap is not coming back. Gardner is coming back. Uh, But remember, since Hap is gone and you don't know if you're going to re-sign Tanaka, that means you're either going to have to re-sign Monsahiro and sign another starting pitcher, maybe Trevor Bauer, or you might have to sign two new guys. Also, Tommy Canely is no longer in the bullpen, so you're going to need another bullpen, another bullpen arm back there. Uh, who knows what they want to do with Davey Garcia if they want to convert into a full-time starter? Maybe Domingo Herman's back from suspension. Maybe they want to use him out of the bullpen. I don't know, but there's still a lot of questions asked. But this was a great first step as far as solidifying the Yankees' chances. Because if DJ LeMay, who had walked away and not been in the Bronx, 
I think the Yankees World Series hopes would have gone down the drain. I just don't think anyone else is consistent enough as hitting, maybe besides Gio Urshela when it comes to the Yankee order, because Aaron Judge is clear has been injured last three years, so is John Carlo, and even they both look terrible at times. Gary Sanchez has not looked great either. So, yeah, this was very good. Nice job, Yankees, and yes, very, very nice, very nice. So that's my short little tangent on that. Not really much to talk about there. Now, the blockbuster trade that happened on Wednesday. This was crazy because before, about a couple minutes before this deal went down, I was just thinking in my head like, man, who in the world is going to trade for James Harden? He's probably going to have to stick it out in Houston. And lo and behold, the Brooklyn Nets come crawling in, I mean, come bursting through the door in a four-team deal. So we're going to break down all the teams from this deal. So in this four-team deal, there's the Nets, Rockets, Pacers, and Cavaliers. So the Nets received James Harden. They only get him. That's it. The Rockets got the most from this deal. They got Victor Oladipo from the Indiana Pacers, got Dante Exum, uh, Krukus, three Brooklyn first-round picks, one Milwaukee first-rounder from Cleveland, and four pick swaps from Brooklyn. Now, those pick swaps could be used as first-round picks, so that's a potential. So that's potentially maybe eight first-round picks they've just gained from that deal. Pacers got a second-rounder from the Nets, and they also got Karis LeVert, because Karis LeVert was originally traded to the Houston Rockets, and they dealt into the Pacers for Victor Oladipo. That's how the Rockets got Victor Oladipo. Um, I, th- I still hear Victor Oladipo still wants to end up on the Heat somehow, but don't know that's going to happen. And the Cavs are going to get Terranian uh, Prince, Terranian Prince from the Brooklyn Nets, and Jarrett Allen. So two young, two very good guys for the uh, for the Nets off the bench. Allen was their probably best interior defender. So yeah. So let's start with who won this deal. Winners, Houston Rockets. Houston Rockets did a, probably did a very good job with this deal. Um, because you got, not necessarily because the players, I don't know why you trade Olin Depot, um, Levert for Olin Depot. I would have stuck with Karis Levert because Karis Levert is younger, more effective scoring, also comes off the bench and can start. Olin Depot has not been the same since his ACL injury and he is on an expiring, pretty big, a pretty big expiring contract. So I don't know what the focus on that point was, but the fact that they were able to deal James Harden now. So let's see. They've got, I mean, this is brilliant for them future, future wise, because remember they had lost a lot of first round picks when they dealt Russell Westbrook, when they traded, when they traded for Russell Westbrook, they gave four first round picks to the thunder and they were only able to make one of those back from when they when they traded him to Washington. So they had still in the process lost three first round picks. Now you gain four. So you've essentially got all those picks back and an extra one and potentially four new ones. So you potentially gained five new picks from this deal. That's very big. That's very big. So kudos to the Rockets. They had to get James Harden done. And their team looks pretty solid. Christian Wood is playing pretty well. John Wall has been playing all right as well. They still got PJ Tucker down. They still got PJ Tucker, um, John Wall, now Victor Olandipo. That's and Demarcus Cousins, who's been playing pretty well. He's been pretty effective off the bench. That's a pretty good team, and that might contend for a spot in the playoffs in the Western Conference. Because remember, there's the play-in tournament. That means ten. You have to be of the first. You have to be the top ten. Only four teams are not going to make it. If you make the top ten, you're going to be in the playoff play-in tournament. So that's that's a that's a good deal for them. So there's still there's still a lot of hope in Houston. I don't know about championship, but there's definitely certainly playoff hopes and a bright looking bright look toward the future with all these first round picks. 
Um, Pacers and Cavs, I also think. I mean, Cavs did pretty good with getting Allen because Allen will probably... I mean, this this is this is very interesting for the Cavs because this probably means now they're going to deal Andre Drummond at the trade deadline because Drummond's 28 years old. Right now, he's their center. He's been Cleveland's best player. They're probably going to replace him with Allen because Allen is 22 years old, and he's very promising. He's very good on the interior defense, pretty good, pretty good footwork, pretty good player, and he's only 22, like I said, so he has a lot of potential. Prince, another great guy. Pretty pretty effective scorer off the bench, you know, not talked about a lot, but again, good, solid player. So two good, solid players, and who knows? Who knows what you'll be able to get from Drummond? Maybe you'll be able to get, I don't know, a couple picks and a player. So again, pretty good job from the Cleve- from Cleveland Pacers. Pacers bringing Karis LeVert. That's pretty good, considering the Pacers are already contending for a, sp- a playoff spot in the Eastern Conference. Olandipo was eating up a lot of their salary cap, was eating up a lot of their space because of his expiring deal. They were able to get him gone, and they also get a second-round pick. Good job. Good job from them again, building for the future. They've got some young, good pieces down there. Sabonis has been playing really well. Uh, Malcolm Brogdon's been playing well. So this is a good deal. Now, now that's kind of like the, you know, the, the side piece of this. Um, Houston, I mean, Brooklyn Nets. Do I like this deal for them? No, I don't. I don't like it. And here is why. So, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant both have three years left on their contract, okay? By the time those contracts run up, Kevin Durant will be 35 years old. Kyrie Irving will be 31 or... Yeah, Kyrie Irving will be 31 years old. And they don't have uh, potentially a first-round pick for the next six, seven years. So let's say Kyrie... Let's say Kevin Durant... Um, it wouldn't be. It wouldn't honestly be crazy to think that by 35 years old, Durant is considering retirement, and all of a sudden, it, let's say KD does retire, you got no first. You got no first round picks to make up for that. You're you're stuck for the next couple of years. Kyrie Irving will be a free agent, but again, I don't know if you're going to want to give him that much money because the main reason you signed Kyrie was to get Durant there. So I don't know. Also, James Harden contra- James Harden's contract runs up in two more in two years, in two full years. That's one year before Kyrie and Kevin's. So, are you gonna are you willing to give him a a, a huge extension? Because James Harden's pretty old right now. James Harden's also in his thirties. I think James Harden is thirty two years old right now. So, by the time that contract runs up, he'll be thirty four, and you're gonna have oh sorry, he's thirty one. So. He'll be thirty. He'll be thirty-three by that time that deal runs up. So, are you going to be willing to give him a four-year extension, uh, a new deal for four years that'll put him through th- till he's thirty-seven? Because Harden takes a lot of contact. You know, he takes a lot of contact when he gets to the rim. So his body, and especially with the shape he is in right now, well overweight, will he be able to keep his body healthy enough? I don't know. Kevin Durant, he's probably will he be able to keep his body health enough? Healthy enough? To be still pretty effective, I mean, he'll probably be effective as a scorer, but as a defender, he's pretty good at defense right now, but because he had the Achilles tear. And also Kyrie, he's had a lot of mysterious injuries. He had the mysterious shoulder surgery. He's had a couple knee issues. Will he be healthy enough by the end of his contract? So you're taking a big risk here because you locking these guys in for the next two, three years, there's no guarantee you're going to win a championship because you still got to beat the Lakers. And LeBron has just, LeBron has put an extension through. So has Anthony Davis. Clippers are still there as well. There's a lot of very good teams in the West that you could still rank above the uh, the Brooklyn Nets. And for all you know, they might not even get out of the East if Boston, if 
they still have to deal with Milwaukee and Boston. So I don't, <laughs> I don't know. Um, they, so this is a really tough move can, for them long term wise, just because let's say all these contracts run up and they haven't got a championship and all of them are, and Kyrie and Kevin Durant is pretty old by then. And he wants to retire. Cause let's let's face it. Kevin Durant is the main guy here. It's Kevin Durant and then Kyrie and James, both of them have to realize that it's Kevin Durant, who is the main franchise player. That's why they signed Kyrie Irving to keep Kevin happy. That's also why they brought in Harden. They want to keep him happy, but man, I don't know. This is real tough. This is a really, real big decision. The Brooklyn Nets just essentially mortgage their future away for the next three years. If they don't win a championship in these next three years, it is a complete failure. It's a complete bust. And we'll look at this as one of the worst trades because they've completely mortgaged. Like I said, they've mortgaged a guarantee first round, four first round picks and four, uh, three first round picks and four pick swaps. So they've essentially potentially given away their, ne- their next seven first round picks, which is unbelievable. Given away your ne- seven years worth of first round picks. And man, so Eastern Conference Finals, three years in a row, ain't going to cut it. NBA Finals ain't going to cut it. You got to win a championship. This puts a lot of pressure on him. Kyrie is expected to be done with his sabbatical. He's coming back. If he tests negative, then all three, the big, and so does Harden, the big three should debut on Saturday night versus the Magic. But like I said, big, big risk here because you didn't need him. You honestly didn't need him. Also, not only have you lost your first round picks, You've also lost your best best interior defender. Remember, what was the knock on the Brooklyn Nets? What was the knock on the Brooklyn Nets this year? They don't play great defense. And you've essentially gotten rid of one of your best defenders, Jared Allen. He's the shot blocker. He's the big guy down low. And he's pretty athletic. And he's only 22, like I said. So you've also given up. <laughs> so I, I don't know, man. You've, you've, you've made your weakest point even weaker. Because if you go up against the Lakers in the finals... Who's going to be able to push up on those big guys? Who's going to be able to push up on Anthony Davis? I don't think Kevin Durant is strong enough. He's too skinny. I think he'll probably be on LeBron. I don't know. They'll probably put him on LeBron. But who's going to guard Anthony Davis? I don't, I mean, I don't think Allen would have guarded Anthony Davis in the first place. But still, also, you lose Tareem Prince. Prince was another, another reason why we they use Prince. They lose Prince and Levert. What am I saying? Another reason we picked this Brooklyn Nets team was we thought they were the deepest team in the NBA, or one of the deepest teams, alongside the Lakers. And now you've just essentially gotten rid of that. I know they still have Spencer Dinwiddie, but he's injured. So you've gotten now rid of Prince, one of your better scorers off the bench, and your best scorer off the bench, Karis LeVert, who can light it up, who is probably going to be a six-man-of-the-year contender this year. (laughs) So again, you've just, in all essence, you've almost weakened your team. Also... Ego-wise, this is the th- the three fragilest, you know, the, th- the three biggest and I don't want to say biggest, but three most fragile egos in the NBA, all in one locker room. How how about that? Okay, Kevin Durant, um, Kevin Durant, I think can put up with Kyrie, and Kyrie can put up with Kevin. I don't know if they're gonna be put up with Harden. I think Kyrie and Harden in particular are gonna clash a lot because Kevin was his teammate in OKC. But again, Harden was only a six-man, so he's far more humble this year. I mean, we see it. You know, guys want to, you know, guys come and think, oh, I want to play with James Harden. I want to play with him. He's great. All of a sudden, bam, Dwight Howard wanted out. Probably, you know, because we all thought it wasn't Harden's fault. But Howard wanted out. Then later, Chris Paul wanted out. Again, we chose to ignore that it was Harden's fault. Then, after one year, Westbrook wanted out. And they were boys. They were 
real close. Westbrook, Westbrook wanted out. And then we start to realize, okay, James Harden is the main issue here. And then, you know, he was being disrespectful to his teammates and stuff. I just think that's because he wanted to get out of Houston. But that also puts extreme pressure on him because you forced your way out of Houston, bro. You got what you wanted. Now it's got to work. Also, I mean, <laughs> the amount of isolation, ISO-wise, that's going to be, that's going to happen is is just, it's it's just, remember how Houston ran their offense with Harden and Westbrook. It was, okay, you attack for one possession, I'm just going to sit here and wait. All right? Okay, okay, now it's my turn. Yeah, that, that's not going to, that's not going to fly in Brooklyn. That's not going to fly, Harden. You're not going to be able to just ball, d- dominate the ball. I have faith that Kevin Durant will be okay. Kevin Durant is too good of a player and too elite of a scorer. Just, you know, he's, he can be effective without the ball. But I don't know if Kyrie and, and James can be effective without the ball. So when you have both of them completely dribbling down the shot clock, who, who knows how chemistry-wise it's going to work. I questioned how Russ and Harden wouldn't work, how it would work, didn't work. So I don't know, man. This is this is really 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 tough. Um, also, this is just thing I thought of. D'Antoni's the assistant coach there. He's the one that put Harden in this ISO situation. So, is he gonna do a similar thing with Steve Nat? You know, influencing Steve Nash? I don't know. There's just too many questions here. But in the end, I just don't think it'll work because I don't think they'll get a championship in the next three years. And then we'll look back on this and be like, "Damn, bro, this trade was a huge waste." This was a huge mistake. That's how I feel like it's going to turn out to be. Because, they've, again, like I said, they've mortgaged their future. They got no first-round picks, and I think the Rockets will benefit from this. Again, I think the Rockets are still a pretty an okay team. Uh, Harden was, I think, the main reason why they weren't winning games, just because he stopped trying. So, yeah, but uh, a huge risk, to say the least, for the Brooklyn Nets. But, again, a risk that I don't think is going to pay off because if they don't win a championship, they're in a real tricky situation and I'll also say <clears throat> this is very similar to the situation where they traded for Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett and they were supposed to form the big 3 with Williams with uh with um with Williams and it just and it just didn't work. It remember it was the, it was it's been known as one of the worst trades ever and maybe the biggest failed big 3 ever. So who knows? Maybe this could be round two of that. We'll see if history repeats itself. And I think I think it will. I think it will. This is not going to work. Just too many clashing egos. They've more. They've mortgaged a lot. It's just. It's just not going to work. It's not going to be right. Um, they're struggling right now. They're seven and six. But again, Kyrie's been in and out of the lineup. So we'll see, man. But it's it's a it's a it's a tough situation. And again, I don't think it's going to work out. Anyway, now let's transition. Into the NFL playoffs. Um, I mean, I guess we can talk about some of the wild card games. Yeah, why not? We can let's let's recap some of the wild the the wild card games from last weekend. So we're gonna start with um. So I went four and two last week. Uh, the only games I didn't get were the uh, Steelers loot with the Browns beating the Steelers and the Rams losing to the Seahawks. So why don't we recap the two games that I got wrong? Yeah, so let's go start with the Rams. Rams beat the Seahawks 30 to 20. This was really disappointing. Um, Jared Goff with an injured thumb only went 9 of 19 for 155 yards and a touchdown and it was enough. Russell Wilson really struggled. 11 of 27, 174 for two touchdowns and an interception. Yeah, um <clears throat> Cam Akers was the big reason. Uh he had 131 yards on the ground. I think he had 192 from scrimmage. 
that was the big thing. But man, this Rams defense is this Rams defense is showing us why they're number one in scoring and number one in yards. They're unbelievable. Jalen Ramsey completely put the cuffs on DK Metcalf again. That's the third time this year that Ramsey has put the cuffs on him. Cat, uh, DK, what do you have? He had five catches for 96 yards, but most of them came on that 40, 50-yard scramble play. And I think it was three catches for like 30 yards when Jalen Ramsey was matched up against him. So, yeah. Um, and the thing is, where does Seattle go from here? Because they don't have the best... Uh, track record when it comes to drafting. They always tend to trade back. They're not going to have a high first-round pick. They need to get an offensive lineman. They need a pro- they offensive line. They need to protect Russell Wilson. And I don't know, maybe this let Co- Russ Cook motto is not is not what it is. I think they have to get more to Seattle football, which is defense. They have to defense and running the football. Chris Carson's a great running back. Defense had played well, but yeah, I think get it, I think letting Russ Cook was was not the right idea this season. It worked the first couple games, but not the right idea this season. Yeah. Uh, you got, got to go for an offensive lineman or someone on the defensive end of the football because the way they played at sometimes this point, uh, sometimes this year on defense was just absolutely horrendous. They played fine on defense this game. I mean, one of the touchdowns was the Russell Wilson pick six when he was trying to force it to DK. So, <clears throat> yeah. Seattle, Seattle's got a tough road ahead of them. They uh, still have not been back to the NFC Championship game in a since 20... Oh, man, what was the last time they were in the NFC Championship game? Was it really 2014 when they when they lost in the Super Bowl? Pretty sure that was the last time they were in the NFC Championship game. Man, that's crazy, and they've been to the playoffs ever since, and they've been to the playoffs in every year since then. That's crazy, but this was, this was disappointing. You could also see that they're missing the, the home atmosphere, the 12th man atmosphere, the 12th man fans at... Um, Seattle. So yeah, disappointing. Very disappointing to say the least. All right. Second one I want to recap because I got this one wrong was the Steelers. So Browns beat the Steelers 48 to 37. And oh my goodness, was this was this horrible for the Steelers. So for those who don't know, we're just going to recap the first quarter because that's essentially what put the, you know, that's essentially what happened. First play of the game, first play from scrimmage, Marquise Pouncey, Boop, snap goes way over his head. Ben Roethlisberger and James Conner don't fall in it. Touchdown, Cleveland. Later, Big Ben throws an interception. Jarvis Landry, 40-yard touchdown pass from Baker Mayfield. <clears throat> okay, then another short field situation. Touchdown run for Kareem Hunt, 21-0. And then another interception. Three interceptions in the first quarter for Big Ben. And then an uh, eight-yard rushing touchdown for Kareem Hunt. That's it, 28 nothing at the end of one quarter. What in the world was this? Steelers were piss poor on... I mean, the defense honestly didn't even play that bad in the first quarter, but this just did not look like a Mike Tomlin football team. They did not come out ready to play. I mean, that's the simple way of putting it. There's, yeah, you can't put it any other way. They did not come out to play tonight. When you get, last week, you get down 28 nothing at the end of one quarter. I don't know, Juju Smith, you got to stop talking, bro. Even Chase Claypool. This week, he said, oh yeah, it was a tough loss, but the Browns are going to get slapped by the are going to get slapped by the clap by the Chiefs. Why are you still talking? What gives you the right to still talk? You're out of the playoffs. Why? Give me one logical reason why are you talking. Are you salty? Is that it? Just shut your mouth. <laughs> just No, like, I'm serious. Just shut your mouth, Chase Claypool. You lost. You didn't play well. You completely faded down the stretch. Your team was absolutely hard. You deserve to lose that game. You got kicked. You got kicked and punched around, and you got humbled. And you, you should be right now, your response should have been after the game saying, I've learned a lot from this rookie season. Credit to the Browns. We should not be talking like that again. 
But no, you want to say the Chiefs are going are gonna to clap them? And they might, but still, why are you talking? And, and, you have the, and, you, and your response is, oh, well, um, you know, if the Browns had won with more respect, I would have been cool. <laughs> are you serious? <laughs> you, your teammate, Juju Smith, has been making TikToks on the, other, on the opposing team's logo before every game. You've been making TikToks after wins. After 8-0, you tweet, after 11-0, you tweeted out, huh, losing. Never heard of it. You put the target on yourself. You put the target straight on your back. And Juju came out and said, oh, Browns are being the same Browns. Browns are going to be the same Browns. Like, no kidding they're going to talk after they beat you because they beat the crap out of you. They beat the crap out of you in the first quarter, and you had the chance to come back, and your team messed it up. Well, Mike Tomlin messed up, but you had the chance to come back. So, of course, they're going to be talking. So, don't talk about, oh, you know, this disrespect factor. Because you were disrespecting teams all year by dancing on their by dancing on their logos and making TikToks after games. So I don't know what. So you got to look in the mirror if you want to say, "Oh, they weren't winning with respect." But yeah, wh- again, why are you talking? Just just shut your mouth. Go to the off season and work. That's all you need to do. Work, work in the off season and be better next year. I don't want to hear, um, "Oh, you know, it was a tough loss, but say, Chiefs are going to clap them next week, bro." You could be playing Buffalo right now, but because you're you're because of your talking and this whole team's arrogance, you're sad at home. So just shut your mouth. You know, no one's having it. No one's having it. And I think everyone in Pittsburgh should be pretty annoyed with that statement. Him saying, "Oh, you know, if they didn't, you know, they didn't show respect when they win," because <clears throat> it's just not. It's just not. You know, you you never did the same. You know, the saying is practice what you preach, and that's clearly not happening. So yeah, that's. That's my little thing on that. I just wanted to get that off my chest because it made me so angry that he decided to come out and say that when he hasn't been, you know, he's been, he's been torment, he's been putting a back on his, he's been, they've been painting the, the target on their back all season long and they finally got, they finally got hosed. It was coming. The Browns were eventually going to hose him. You know that. So yeah. Anyway, let's get into the divisional round picks. Uh, four games, two days, two on Saturday, two on Sunday, fourth. So we're going to start out with, I've gone in chronological order of the games. <clears throat> so, 4.35 p.m. on Fox, the Rams travel to Lambeau Field in Green Bay and take on Aaron Rodgers, most likely league MVP, Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. Um, One versus six seed. Who am I taking here? You, uh, you smell that? Yeah, I'm, I'm smelling an upset here. I'm smelling that. I'm thinking that the Rams are going to do it. And now I know everyone's going to think I'm crazy for this, but it's if you think about it, it's pretty logical. <clears throat> Packers are averaging 31 points a game, best offense in the league. Rams are only giving up 18 points a game, best defense in the league. Usually when history history comes around, usually whenever best offense and best defense match up, best defense wins. The most prime example was that of that was Super Bowl 40, 47, where the Seahawks absolutely trounced the best offense, Denver Broncos, 43-8. to Remember, that was the year Peyton Manning had the most touchdowns in a single season and the most passing yards in a single season. They got absolutely trounced 43-8 to by the Legion of Boom. I don't think, obviously, that's not going to happen here. It's going to be extremely close because nothing, you know, they are not, they're not like the Legion of Boom. But they're solid everywhere around. I mean, you can run on this team a little bit. That's the one thing you can do. But <clears throat> up front, Aaron Donald. Uh, in the secondary, Jalen Ramsey, Troy Hill has stepped up. You know, these guys are tough physical cornerbacks. Devontae Adams, you're going to have your first real tough test of the season. He's, um, you're considered the best wide receiver in the league, all right? You're going up against the best cornerback in the league. Jalen Ramsey, young, likes to talk, trying to get in your head. 
quick and speedy. You're not going to be able to just run right by him. So it's going to be tough. And he's very physical. So he's going to jam you at the line of scrimmage and try and get in your head. And yeah. And also, Aaron Rodgers. Every time Aaron Rodgers has come up against the number one scoring defense, he has lost. Okay? He came up against the number one scoring defense against the San Francisco 49ers last year in the NFC title game. Couldn't do it. And they he also lost to him in the regular season. And couldn't do it against the uh, Seattle Seahawks in 2014 when they blew that lead in the NFC divisional game. In the NFC title game, excuse me. So yeah, um, it's going to be a tough matchup. And I know it's in Green Bay, and I know it's snowy, and I know Jared Goff has struggled in the snow, and a lot of LA teams tend to do struggle in the snow. But <clears throat> Goff has played in the snow now before. Remember, he went to that 20-degree, 10-degree night in Chicago, and he got his experience, cold experience down. And... The Rams, you know, they're not going to be they're not they're not going to be throwing the ball over the shop. They're not going to be doing the air attack. It's all about Cam Akers on the ground and you can run you can you can run on this Green Bay team. It's very possible you can run on this Green Bay team. Um it's yeah, it's it's I know they got Preston Zadarius Smith and they're a lot better Darnell Savage in the secondary, but I think the Rams are going to do it. Cooper Cup is questionable, but the Rams are going to be close to fully healthy. They haven't been this healthy in a long long time this season. That's why they had the drop off in play. I know Goff is still nursing the um, the thumb injury, the uh, the thumb injury, but I think he'll be okay. Now I'm not saying that Goff is going to have a better game than Aaron Rodgers, and I think Goff will probably have a subpar game. But I think the offense of the Green Bay Packers is going to be shut down. I think it's going to really be shut down. Devontae Adams is going to have an okay day. Aaron Rodgers is going to have an okay day. Aaron, Aaron I have a feeling Aaron Donald's going to get loose. <clears throat> and all, yeah. Also, another key. The Rams can really put a lot of pressure on their front four without the blitz, and they can all, and they're also going to bring blitzes. When was the one time we saw Aaron Rodgers struggle this season? It's when he played Todd Bowles in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and they pretty much blitzed him relentlessly and got to him, and he threw two interceptions, a pick six, and they lost thirty-eight to ten. That was the one time they really struggled this season, and the Rams can make them do that, and I think the Rams will do that to him, and that's why I think they're going to win this football game. It's going to be tough. It's going to be scrappy. It's going to be in the cold. But the number six-seeded Rams are going to pull off the upset and are heading to the NFC Championship game. Now, where? Well, I'll tell you later. All right. <clears throat> Second game, 8-15. NBC Bills versus Rams. Ravens uh, and Bills, probably two of the, hot, the two hottest teams in football right now, are going to face off against each other. Um, it's in Buffalo, and there's going to be snow. Snow is predicted. Lamar Jackson has not played in the snow before. Ever. I mean, he had a. He said he, had, you know, he's never played in the snow before. He hopes it doesn't snow. Uh, you know, the one experience with snow he had at Louisville was a snowball fight before the game, but it, the snow wasn't significant enough to bother him. Now, even with that said, I'm gonna pick the the Ravens to still win this game, and just because the Ravens' offense is so, it's just built for cold weather. It's it's because it's just running the football. It's straight up. We're gonna. It's straight. It, the, the, it's straight up motto. We're gonna run it down your throat. And you saw when the when the Bills played the Colts, they gave up a lot of big rushing plays. A lot of there was a lot of plays where Neam Hines, Jonathan Taylor broke loose for 20, 25, 30 yard games, thirty yard gains. And now you've got the Gus Bus, Gus Edwards, and Lamar Jackson to deal with, and J.K. Dobbins, two ex, two extremely physical runners who will run people over. And then the shifty Lamar Jackson. That's like essentially what Neam Hines and Jonathan Taylor kind of are. Jonathan Taylor's the, you know, the the run through you kind of back, while Neam Hines is the more shifty one out the backfield. So, yeah, and they almost gave up 500 yards to that Colts offense. So, 
I'm going to pick the Ravens to win. Also, like, you know, we've ignored this all season because of how good they are and how good Josh Allen has been playing, but Buffalo can't run the football. Zach Moss is going to be injured, so they're going to have to lean on Devin Singletary, who's not been good this season. And they just have no consistency running the football. Josh Allen is their leading rusher uh, for the team this season. And that's not going to fly because Josh Allen, you know, he can run, but he's nothing like Lamar Jackson. Now, granted, Josh Allen is a huge arm and the Ravens, you know, but still also Ravens cornerbacks are very good. Stefan Diggs is going to be matched up against Marlon Humphreys. And I can't wait to see that because Marlon Humphreys tech, like technique wise, the best cornerback in football. He jams you at the line of scrimmage. He had a tough time with AJ Brown this uh, last past weekend, but that was because AJ Brown is huge and a monster physically. Uh, so Stefan Diggs is not as you know strong and tall. So that's gonna be a tough match. If you take away Stefan Diggs, then you got to lean on Cole Beasley, who's very good, and John Brown has been very inconsistent. That's why I'm gonna take the Ravens to win, just because I think even though they're gonna be in Buffalo and there's gonna be snow, I think it, it'll be fine because they can just run the football so well. You saw Lamar Jackson; he won the game versus tight because of his legs. <clears throat> you know he played okay with the arm; he threw an interception. But still, he played well because of that 45-yard touchdown run. And he can do that against Buffalo. He has the capability of doing that. And that's why I think they're going to do it. They're going to get to the AFC Championship game. They have found their tempo at the right time this season. They have gotten hot at the right time. They always say you want to start peaking by when playoff time comes. And that's exactly what they've done. They did the exact opposite of the Steelers. They finished strong and they peaked at the right time when the Steelers peaked way too early. So that's why I'm going to take the Bill, the, no, the Ravens to win this game. So the Ravens are in the NF, AFC title game along with the Rams. So I picked the both. I've picked both road teams to win, which is kind of weird. Next one, Chiefs at Browns. Uh, the Browns are definitely capable of pulling off an upset. <clears throat> um, Chiefs have been shaky this year. Yes, they're 14 and two, but at, the last time they blew a team out and won pretty comfortably was against the New York Jets. All the times they struggled then um, versus at the Atlanta Falcons, struggled to beat the Raiders. Um, they beat the Buccaneers, but that was in a close game. They beat the Saints, but again, that was in a close game. So, yeah, it's um, it's by no stretch of an imagination a gimme. Uh, they struggled with the Chargers. I bet, again, I, I, I won't really count that because they didn't have any of their starters. But still, also... I'm worried. Rust. Rust is the big thing. Last four years, teams who have who have bought who've had a first round buy and rested their players are one and three. And it should be 0 and 4, but Alshon Jeffrey couldn't catch the ball against the Saints in the divisional round. So that's that's a big thing to look out for. Also, yeah. Um so the Browns are definitely capable of pulling off an upset here. Played well versus um versus the Steelers. Sure, the Steelers gave them a couple points, but the Browns stayed mentally tough and did enough to close the deal. So that's that. Um, I'm going to go with the Chiefs, though. It's an Arrowhead Stadium. The Chiefs are going to move to the AFC Championship game to play the Ravens, but I think it is going to be close. But I think the one thing that's going to catch the Browns is that their defense is too inconsistent. The defense, you know, the, we saw how just Ben Roethlisberger threw the, sh- threw the ball all over the shop in the second half, and yeah, that was because they weren't playing, you know, they were playing so far back, but they honestly might play that, you know, teams, a, a lot of guys are probably going to be playing that far back when you have someone like a Tyreek uh, Tyreek Hill. Travis Kelsey's going to torch them. Travis Kelsey's been torching guys all season. They're going to torch them. Le'Veon Bell is going to have a good game on the ground, and the Chiefs are going to win this game. Also, Baker Mayfield struggles when you put pressure on him, and I know the Browns have a brilliant offensive line. In fact, they have one of the best ones in football. They have so many all pros there. I think three all pros there, but 
Spagnola loves to bring the blitz. We've all seen this. As, as a Giants fan as well, Spagnola loves to bring the blitz. And he's probably going to bring the blitz a couple times. And he's probably going to overload it. So sometimes the rate, the uh, Browns' defense, uh, offensive line is going to be overwhelmed. There's just not going to be enough people to block. So they're probably going to get a couple sacks on Baker, maybe force a couple bad decisions. And I think Tyron Matthew will be able to get a pick or two. And that's why the Chiefs are going to win this football game. They're going to do it in front of an arrowhead. Patrick Mahomes is going to is going to win another playoff game and get to the AFC Championship game to play the Baltimore Ravens, which would be an absolutely incredible matchup. Um, but the way the Browns can win this football game is do what the Raiders did in the first meeting, and that and that's when they when they just ran the football so well. They got they got to do what they got to do and run the football and win the time of possession battle. Keep the Chiefs off the field as quick as possible. That's what you got to do against these offenses like Aaron Rodgers, and that's also what the Rams have to do if they want to win this game against the Packers. Run the football well. Keep Rodgers, and now in this against the Chiefs, keep Mahomes off the field. Don't let him get the tempo going. That's when they become truly dangerous and almost impossible to stop. So yeah, but Chiefs win this, but Browns make it close. Don't, don't count them out. Last one. Two of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, Drew Brees versus Tom Brady. For the third time this season, Brees is 2-0 against him in the Superdome. Uh, last time they they played week one, Saints won it relatively comfortable in the in the Superdome. They played at the Pirate Ship in Tampa, and oof, New Orleans just beat the crap out of them, 38-3. Do I have the Saints? It's very hard to beat a team three times in a row, especially when Tom Brady's the opposing quarterback. But I think the Saints do it. This is the... I think the Saints do it. I think the Saints get it done at home and get to the NFC Championship game. And now here's why. This, this defense of New Orleans is, compl- is catered to stopping the Buccaneers because the Buccaneers kind of want to throw the ball down the field a lot, and they probably won't. They're probably going to be doing a lot of checkdowns. But the Saints' defense is playing so well, and they don't give up many big plays. Also, Marshawn Lattimore has absolutely clamped up Mike Evans this season. He's put the cuffs on him physically and mentally. Last two games, I don't think Evans has a catch when guarded by Marshawn Lattimore. And that's an incredible stat because you think about how big Mike Evans is and how consistent he is. The fact that he barely, he doesn't even have a catch on Lattimore in the last two games, that's unbelievable thinking. That's Brady's safety blanket. We can talk about all Antonio Brown, Chris Godwin, but Mike Evans and or Rob Gronkowski, but Mike Evans is his safety blanket. Now, I don't know if Ronald Jones is going to play. I think he will play, but I still think he'll be fine because even though the Saints have been, were weak against the Eagles, they have not allowed a... They rarely allow a, a team or a player individually to rush for over 100 yards on them. That's not, not just the case. And neither the Buccaneers. Buccaneers are very good and stellar in the run defense. But I don't know if that... I don't know if that pat If that passing... If that secondary is going to hold up against Michael Thomas and Drew Brees... And all those boys. Um, Emmanuel Sanders as well. Their Saints are fine, are fully healthy. Also, can't ignore the obvious. Saints defensive line has absolutely destroyed the Buccaneers O-line in the last couple games they've played them. Um, Cam Jordan is going to get loose on them. I know the Saints are missing a, a one key piece up, at the, um, up on defensive line, but Cam Jordan is still there. That defense is still playing unbelievable. And that's why I think the Saints move to the NFC title game, just because I think they're going to do enough to put enough pressure on Brady. And I think New Orleans, I think the Buccaneers will put enough will put some pressure on Breeze, but I don't know if it'll be enough. Because Breeze is more you know, more is easier. Breeze is um, you know, Breeze is just gonna throw the ball, is gonna get the ball out as quick as possible because he's gonna throw the ball five, only five, ten yards on the slants to Thomas. So yeah. 
That's why I'm going to take the New Orleans Saints to get to the NFC Championship game. <clears throat> Tom Brady, his first quest for a ring without Bill Belichick ends in failure, but they'll be back next year. Saints get to the NFC title game where they host the Rams in a rematch of the blown botch call. And, yeah, oh, wow, that's that's it. Those are the four games. So, um, once again, my final calls for the day. The number six-seeded Rams beat the number one-seeded Packers. Number four-seeded, uh, number five-seeded Ravens beat the number two-seeded Bills. Number one-seeded Chiefs beat the number uh, six-seed Browns. And number two-seed Saints beat the number five-seed Buccaneers. So, once again, that would be a one, um, a six-verse a six versus two NFC championship game between the Saints and the Rams, and a one versus five and an AFC title game between the Chiefs and the Ravens. So those are my picks for uh, for this week, this week's football. Uh, thank you all for listening. We'll be back next week with more sports. You know, with more sports that's happened by then, and the uh, NFC and the recap of these games and the uh, championship game preview. So once again, I'm Rahil Jaswell. Thank you all for listening, and I'll see you next week.